Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer Podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. I'm here today with Alicia Lycos. Alicia, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, James. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. So Alicia is one of Australia's leading authorities on HR and talent optimization, former HR consultant at Unisys Australia and Civic Video, HR director at Object Consulting, as well as the SAS Institute, an accredited predictive index certified analyst, which I want to talk about today as well, which I think is really fascinating. Currently CEO and chief talent optimizer at the Red Wolf Group, uh, who works with a really diverse range of businesses to use data to develop and then implement leadership and talent management strategies. Um, Alicia, we've done work together in the past and it's really helped us, I think, attract and then retain talent and get the most out of them. So Alicia, welcome and looking forward to our conversation. Can't wait. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting just to talk about the current employment market, like we've, you know, borders have been closed. It just reopened. Um, the Great Resignation, which we've heard about, I, I hear that it's happening in America. It's not happening here. But then I speak to other agency owners. It's impossible to get people that are experienced. I talk to our clients and other in-house marketers, and it's jobs that used to get dozens, hundreds of applications are getting almost none. Like, what are you seeing out there in terms of talent? Yeah, look, I think the they released even just in February that unemployment for Australia is down to 4%. And yeah. that's really the lowest they've seen in, you know, record years of about 14 years. And then it hasn't actually gone below 4% since 1978. So yeah, what you're seeing zero. is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what you're really seeing is there aren't people sitting around waiting for a role, um, trying to get into the market. We have a shortage. And whether that's a combination of lots of our 482s and visas and student people, international visas not being here yeah. uh, because of border closures. Um, but also the, the boom of many businesses that are expanding, that they're growing, that they're capitalising on the opportunities that are ahead of them. Yeah. Um, and we don't have enough people. Unfortunately, we don't have enough people in the market. Now, that means that the pendulum has really swung where instead of employers going, oh, yeah, I'll post a job ad and my biggest challenge is sifting through 100 applicants. It used to be like that. <laughs> it used to be like that. Everyone's like, where were the days where we used to have 100 people and that was our biggest time? We like we had to sift. Now it's we don't have anybody applying. Like we're, if you go on LinkedIn and you actually that's the biggest indicator for those people who are out recruiting, you go on LinkedIn, they show you how many people have applied. Yeah. And those numbers are in like single digits, sometimes double digits if you're lucky for most roles. So, you know, if you're getting four to 10 to 12 people applying, that's a real challenge for many businesses. Yeah. And really now it's actually, I think marketing businesses have a really intense competitive edge because it is about marketing your brand, yeah. about your business. Um, and, you know, that's the biggest opportunity for businesses as well. People are sitting back and going, I actually can get a job. I can get a job in many different areas. Yeah. The question is, what do I want to be doing and who do I want to be doing it for? And hence, they're going to put your business under a lens yeah. and really be doing their research on you. And what what do other people say about you? What's your your marketing presence? What are you doing on LinkedIn and Instagram? And what are your employees saying about you? What are your employees? Because you can do, do that rabbit hole in 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's pretty easy to stalk a business. So yeah. the question is, what will they find when they go stalking? Yeah. And uh, that's, I think, a question most companies aren't asking themselves. They're like, oh, we're so amazing. Everyone should want to join us. Nobody... Your brand presence is what people see externally, and you've really got to be looking at that. It is an interesting shift. Uh, and I, I kind of wanted to go down that. You, you kind of touched on it, which was whether it was two years ago, three years, whatever it was, but people were looking, like people were unemployed or they'd come back from overseas and they're looking for work. But 
it's virtually 0% unemployment if we're at four. So people aren't looking. So how do businesses, if you are, you know, looking for an in-house marketer, how, how, what do you do? <laughs> Does it mean using well, recruiters? Is that the only way to do it? Are you using sales navigator yourself? Like what's the practical way of finding people? Look, I, I think you've got to take a really holistic approach because there isn't a, you know, silver bullet that's going to solve yeah. your problem. And oh, if you're looking in this one place, you will find it. I think you've really got to look at a combination of things. So if you're out thinking, we've got to grow our business, take a back a step. We've got to grow our business over the next, you know, year. We might have three to five opportunities, let's say, in yeah. terms of new roles and or turnover. All of those roles you should be recruiting for now, whether they're for now or they're in six to 12 months. So really starting to think about what we call workforce strategy. And if you're really smart about it, you're going to look at your internal capability first. Mm -hmm. And that is key. So how do we build, you know, it used to be called in big business succession planning. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the formal term for it. But I think businesses really do need to look at the capability of the people internally and go, okay, as my business grows and evolves, who is going to be ready? Who's going to be ready to take over? And what if I invest that 20 grand I was going to spend on a recruiter and I put my people through some intense training, through programs, through mentoring, um, through getting them on industry events, really coaching and mentoring my people. Yeah, That's really what we're going to have to be doing and really fueling the business, not from the top, but from the bottom and focusing on graduate programs and intern programs. But many companies don't have the confidence to do that because it does take a lot more effort and energy yeah. because you have to invest your own time into it. You typically do have to invest money in building a, a program that really coaches and mentors people through. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be my first, is before you even go to market, is look internally first. Yeah. And the second piece is really around asking for referrals. So most good people hang out with other great people. Um and especially those who are well-networked, it's like, well, who could you go to in your network? And we've seen a few of our clients get really good at, let's say you're going to go out and market a role. They build social media tiles for the role. So they don't put out a job ad. They they break it down into social media tiles. Um, and that's great because then people are swiping through on LinkedIn or they're swiping through on Instagram they can share that outwards and your staff can share it. And it's less formal than, hey, we posted a job on Seek, have a look. It's like, oh, actually, this tile is really pretty. Good. I'm motivated to keep flicking through. So I think and that shows the creativity of your brand as well. Yeah. Typically won't just talk about here's the job. It's about here's the opportunity um, and here's, you know, the values and here's what the experience is like and here's what your career will look like with this opportunity. Um, so I think, yes, we still need to look at, you know, your seats and your LinkedIn and, and those platforms. But I think we need to be more creative in how we use those platforms yeah. and also build that pipeline. And often that looking for in-house people, we may need to build a bigger brand presence in general. So your company is out there, they're at events, they're, they're hosting things, they're, you know, bringing people into their office. They've got a community because from your community is where you're going to find that talent. Yeah. I want to come back to the grad program because I think it's like, I guess there's short term and there's long term, right? Like the yeah. a lot of the stuff there is so valuable, so important and will set you up for long-term success. But it's like, I need someone yesterday. How do I do it? But I think the short-term stuff like is really interesting. You touched on it. had a client who's really is a, runs a great business, really quality operator, um, in-house, his most senior marketer is leaving, reached out to me and said, can you refer someone? I said, well, it's kind of hard. Like I'm not going to refer you to one of my existing clients because it's not doing the right thing by them. But he kind of pushed me and said, well, no, actually, like 
go back in your brain 18 months to the last 10 years, can you give me just the names of people that you're impressed by? And I actually just gave him, you know, five or six people and he's now reached out to them and things are progressing and they're, they're people we haven't worked with for years. So I think just kind of that, um, when I'm sure if he put a job out up 18 months ago, he would have had a bunch of senior marketers apply and it kind of would have been fine. So any other hacks? I'm not, I don't want to call them hacks, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a CMO of a, a business, SaaS business or whatever it might be. And my, you know, my two midweight marketers underneath me have left. Like, what do I do? I put things on Seek, I put them on LinkedIn. We don't get the traction we used to if we're hiring for an SEO role or a PPC role. Mm. We, it's kind of crickets. Um, so any other kind of um, things that might be a little bit outside the norm that you're seeing out there kind of working? Yeah, I think any where there's community. So like where I, I work a lot with IT type of businesses and they always have what we call user groups or yep. like community groups. Yep. What you need to do is be in those um, because typically they will, depending on the type of community, you know, they all have different um, parameters, yeah. but often they will want to be actively sharing opportunities because that's what the community is valuable for, right? Oh, well, actually, we're outreaching and we're showing people there's opportunity. Yeah. So getting knowing those networks and where to go after, and I think every business will have some little niche, whether you're looking for, um, and it can depend if you're looking for more technical people versus, you know, creative people, yeah. it, it depends. Um, but you want to be where they are. So that's what I always say to people. You've got to be advertising where these people hang out. The other thing that most companies haven't really gotten into, which seems really odd, is any type of Facebook, Instagram advertising. So I've got some very uh, sort of blue-collar clients sort of out beyond Toowoomba in Queensland, <laughs> and he runs a what we call belt splicing for the mines, and he yep. only has eight staff. And you know what he does? He's in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. And he does a Facebook ad for a 50-kilometer radius of the yep. suburb that he's in for people of a particular age demographic. Now, that in concept is actually quite sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, we don't see people using Facebook or Instagram or any of that for jobs. We see it for yeah. promoting products and services and all these things. But yeah. how, when was the last time you were on Instagram and you saw a job opportunity? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. never. So <laughs> Who's going to offer it, me a job? <laughs> yeah, <correct. laughs> unemployable. But, exactly. So I think we've got to be thinking again. I always say that the, this industry, the marketing industry, has a great competitive edge. You guys know how to do this. Yeah. You know how to use this software. So I would say capitalize on it and stand out from the crowd. Do things that no one else is doing yet. Yeah. And get into look. Try and experiment. It's the same with marketing. You've yeah. got to try and experiment when you're out looking for people. Place and, a, an advert. It's so true. Like we um we actually. Yeah, probably a year ago, started going into a Facebook group that's kind of big in agency creative type land. And that's, it's, we've landed a couple of stuff from that. Um, okay, I'd be curious as to like just macro what you're seeing with just your typical LinkedIn ads, your Seek ads. Like what's, what, what are you seeing there? Look, I, I think the, yes, definitely a, a downturn in the number of applicants. That's, that's across the board for everybody. Everyone's seeing a real a decline in the number of people applying. The quality of applicants is low, yeah. whether you're on Seek or you're on LinkedIn. The other thing that what people aren't doing well is advertising properly in the first place. So what used to cut it with your old job ads when you were in a ta- talent hot market, yeah. you could write a pretty bad job ad, let's be honest. You could just talk about your company, few bullet points, all the cliche rubbish like, strong written and verbal communication skills <laughs> if you're writing that on your job ad you need to delete it now like stop being boring yeah you you have an opportunity on seek and linkedin to use videos 
Like we're seeing companies who are truly being competitive and saying, actually, we're going to do internal videos on our employee experience. We're going to interview our founder and get the founder's story about the why and the purpose behind the business. We're going to interview clients and get the real wow, aha moments where we've made an impact, right? What are people looking for? They're looking for a role where they have purpose and meaning, that they feel connected to the organisation. Um, so Deloitte and PwC put out some big studies to say, well, what are millennials as well really looking yeah. for? But this is boomed during the Great Resignation is purpose and meaning in their work. They don't want to just do a job. They want to feel connected to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And I think your jobs need to articulate that. You can't use your old format that yeah. used to work two years ago. Now we have to almost scrap that and rewrite ads in a totally different way. Um, and leverage all the tools that we have around creative visuals in terms of the language choice that we use and even the video and other collateral that we can provide. So I think the biggest challenge is getting people to apply um, in the first instance, but but have a look at what you're doing. Does it it motivate you? Do you go, oh, wow, I actually, and go and have a look at everybody else's ads in the same category, under the same parameters, in your same location, would you click on your own ad? Is it basically because- it is marketing, right? Like it's basically yeah. and if we're trying to attract marketers, it's if we're running a campaign to generate leads, it's like, well, what's the competition doing? How are they wording it? What's working? What's not? Let's test stuff. We don't. We yep. can put things in market. It may work. Might not. Same same thing here, right? I think that's I think that's such a practical takeaway as well. Yeah, and I think the the other value add for this industry is that you guys need to treat recruitment like a campaign. Yeah, it's and I say this to people outside of. The marketing industry, I say, treat recruitment like a marketing campaign. Now, from the moment that you, these people, let's say they are out looking, which, by the way, is only a small percentage of the market, like a passive market. Let's say you you want to attract them. Yes, you need to write a killer ad. You need to have great um, careers page on your careers page on your website. What are people finding? Doing that research on your own company and seeing what are your reviews on Glassdoor? When people Google you, what do they find? Then there's an opportunity from the moment they apply to be campaigning. Mm. So it's not just the typical, yes, we're interested, no, we reject you. Again, all of this old school recruitment needs to go. Mm. Where There's such an opportunity to put them into an email campaign, put them into, you know, whatever you're using, whether it's active campaign, yeah. and actually use marketing to go, hey, thanks for applying. You know, someone will be in contact with you. But in the meantime, mm. check out this video. Like, I know it seems like crazy, but nobody is doing this. And even if they're a yes or a no, at least they've had this amazing positive experience with your brand. Um, And then they could, yeah. And there's so much you can do from there in terms of, hey, you're being scheduled to come in, you know, someone's going to give you a call, you know, in the next couple of days. Here are the things we typically like to cover off with you. Blah, 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 blah. There could be a picture of the person that's going to ring them. All the way through to like, hey, you've been invited in for an interview. Someone's rung you. You know, here's a little bio on our, you know, office manager who will meet and greet you. Like, yeah, you can be so creative re- with recruitment and create a great experience because the majority of people that you bring into your building, you're not going to hire, right? So how can you leave them with an opportunity that maybe in two years and three years, you can go back to them and they will be right for your business. Yeah, or people they know. I love it. And I think that's really, I've never thought of it that way. But there's so many, and that is exactly how when we're marketing to our prospects, when a lead comes through, it's here's Kevin, he's going to give you a call to him. So, but I think the, this is, I think this is a good segue, which is um, our most prospective clients come to us and like, we need more leads. When do you need them? Tomorrow. 
And it's like, yeah, but marketing doesn't necessarily work that way. Like, you know, you've got your bigger piece, slower moving brand stuff that then generally sets the foundation to then generate, you know, leads and inquiries at the other end. Looking at that analogy, I think probably similar with recruitment, which is I need a candidate and I need them tomorrow. And there's definitely things you can do. We can, you know, run Google ads campaigns and whatever else to generate leads for business. And I think you can put ads on Seek and LinkedIn and hope to get some candidates. But you kind of talked before about what's working for your best clients, probably being longer term strategies, grad programs, um, starting to look, consider now the role you're going to have to fill in November because that'll give you the best candidate. Can we talk, I guess, on what what is working in terms of longer term recruitment strategies, I guess, putting that value proposition forward that makes people want to engage with you? Yeah, I think businesses have an opportunity to take their external brand that we know and typically have spent a lot of time on building that external brand and really flip the switch on that. And it's what we call the employee value proposition. So in terms of that long-term strategy, the first piece of the puzzle is you need to have an EVP. Like why should people work for you? And it is different to your external brand or your, your brand. And the way that you build one is really through engaging and consulting with your staff. Why do they love working for you? What's in it for them? And what type of company internally do they want to be a part of? Because every company has their own culture, but this is really defining, you know, the fundamentals of who we are. So a good example is um, PwC. So their internal EVP is be well, work well. And so everything they do stems off those four words in terms of well. So it might be the way that they work, they work well, they've got healthy workplace habits. It's about nutrition, it's about physical exercise, it's about mental health, it's about financial health, you know, it's about career health. So everything is about this well concept um, and that really grounds every program they build is off this bottom sort of foundation of well. Now that's a pretty simple concept, but each company gets an opportunity really to, to define who they are. And again, that's different. It's different to your values. Um, but it is a way that can actually start to promote who you are. I've got another client that they're about uh, real people, real opportunities. And so for them, everything is really around the world real, which again, quite yeah. simple, but it's a very authentic, very, very down to earth. And that then translates into a huge amount of diversity that they hire because it is about real people. So they have a big push on diversity um, and accepting lots of different backgrounds. So I think focusing on the EVP is really important and then being able to take that externally to produce content, to produce programs internally that are off the back of that and then be promoting them on LinkedIn, on your social channels. So the other thing I see companies do is they've got this great external brand that's obviously pushing what they do from a work perspective. But they don't often talk about what's happening internally, you know, those promotions, those internal events that they're doing. What, are, what What's it like behind the, the closed doors? I've got yeah. a client who's a furniture business and they produce the most amazing boutique furniture for pubs and clubs around the country. Yeah. And all they do is post on social is about their product. And their product is amazing. Like their yeah. products are amazing. But I said to them, I'm like, why wouldn't you every now and then like start talking about here's the man or the woman behind this piece of furniture and Here's the team and here's the journey that this piece of furniture has gone through. Look at all the people internally who have helped produce it. We need to share our employees' stories as well. They kind of, um, as I've got my marketer hat on, and they kind of interrelate so obviously. Like one, obviously, you don't have a company value that you don't live and breathe. You don't have an EVP that you don't live and breathe. Um, But if you're a service, like 
I think the furniture one's great because it's at the extreme end and it, the benefits are there. But if you're a service business, like I think a lot of our prospective clients, they will go to our Instagram page not to see great campaigns we've won, uh, run rather, but to look at our staff. Are they happy? Are they being looked after? Mm. Are they succeeding? Because if the people are succeeding, do you want people on your campaign who are great and are happy and enriched or do you want, you know, drones that are sitting there at a computer terminal? Like it's um, So it kind of the benefits are there both for your brand but also to attract and and I would do exactly what you're suggesting, right? If you're looking at a job somewhere, you're going to go to the Instagram page and what is it actually? You're going to look at Glassdoor because um, mm. you don't have you have choice. You don't have to take a job anymore. That's- and that's it. And that's where I'd say how do you stack up against those four other options? Because what we're seeing is good, top quality candidates have three or four things on the go. So your biggest challenge is not only – getting people to apply, but then let's say you have gone out headhunting or whatever you might have done, Yeah. how do you actually get this person across the line because yeah. this is going to take a lot more effort and energy than it used to? So taking this approach of, oh, they would be lucky to work for us, well, that might be true, but they don't know that yet. Yeah. So how are you articulating that even through your interview process? So still people take this very old school approach to interviewing, which is I've got my questions, which you need, so yeah. I'm not going to you know, discount having some questions that are stable through the process. But how do you build connection? How do you build rapport? How do you sell the company and the values that they have? And how do you articulate the journey that they're going to go on? Be very authentic yeah. and build that connection. Because if we take too much of this, I'm going to interrogate you, you definitely got to move away from the interrogation. I'm going to deliberately make them feel uncomfortable and yeah. see how they perform under pressure. <laughs> like that is not going to work yeah. anymore. It's really, um, I, you kind of touched on it there in terms of the headhunting piece. I, obviously, this pod, the audience is in-house marketers, right? And in-house marketers are struggling at the moment to fill gaps in their teams. You're stuck. You need someone. Recruiters are often the, you know, the easiest path to turn to. Like, it'd be interesting just to get your feedback from what you've seen over the years. Do recruiters work? Do they work in marketing? Yes, no. And if so, what are some ways to, I guess, engage or not engage with recruiters? Yeah, look. Look, recruiters are their own industry in itself, right? And I have a lot of empathy for them because right now they're facing a pretty big challenge, but they also haven't particularly evolved. So what I mean by that is they still run the exact same process that they ran 20 years ago. Um, they all tell you their competitive edge is their book of contacts. Mm-hmm. Heard that okay. before. <laughs> Heard that before. Um, so what I would always say to anybody across any industry is be ready. So we call it recruitment readiness and we actually help clients with this. So we say, look, before you engage with a recruiter, spend 24 hours or 48 hours and do these things first and just see what lands before you reach out to a recruiter and you go and spend 25 grand. Like, are you committed to not spend 25 grand is really the question. And then do the, the key things, which is actually define your role do what we call a job design and really, truly design the role. What is the role? What is the opportunity? What is a day in the life? So sometimes this, when you actually sit and type it out, can be, you know, a couple of pages, but really it's just a thinking, working document. What is a day in the life of this person? What do they spend the majority of their time doing? Not a formal job description because people hate those, but really the experience that they have. What are the the clients that they're going to be dealing with? What are the type of projects? What's the team environment? You know, what's their career opportunity? 
And once you then flesh that out, you then can start to work out what type of person am I looking for? Am I looking for a really proactive person or am I looking for someone who's just going to be a great operator who can just sit and do for long periods of time? So we call that job design. I mean, we use psychometrics to do that. We use a profiling um, component and that really helps work out those behavioral traits that we're looking for in someone. Then write a great killer job ad, write your own. I mean, again, we we help clients with a bit of a framework and a template, but you guys are marketers. You guys should totally <laughs> be able to nail this, yeah. right? One, one industry that doesn't probably need help, write a great ad. Yeah. It is actually an ad, right? Not a job ad, just think mm. about a great ad. And then post it on Seek, post it on LinkedIn, post it in those community groups. Get everyone in your business to who might know the right people to share it. Yep. Pick up the phone, say, hey, can you share it? Create those um, tiles, those social media tiles. We had our designer whip them up in half an hour. Yep. Here's the brief. Here's the key points. Put them on the tiles and then reach out to, you know, everybody can use LinkedIn. Like that is actually something that you can start to search for job titles in a particular area and you will get a short list on your own LinkedIn profile. So then it's starting to, re- I then will go through and connect I just connect, just connect with, hey, we're both in the same industry, thought it'd be worthwhile connecting. The more senior you are in the business, the better. Like if you're quite a senior person in internally in your own business, the better they'll want to be connected with yeah. you. And from there, you can do some like, hey, nice to stay connected, da, da, da. Now that process can take a little bit of time because you don't want to walk into an interaction and be like, hey, we've got a job, are you interested? Yeah. It can be a bit too intense. Generally, we use softer language like, hey, it's great to be connected. I look forward to, you know, inviting you to some community group stuff we have. Just in the short term, thought I'd let you know we are actually actively looking for people at the moment in case you know anybody. So you can kind of build your own campaign in a very non-aggressive way and see where that lands you. Um, And what you'll find is that that then they end up circling back to that ad. They might share that ad. Yeah. So take that 24 to 48 hours and get ready. Then worst case scenario, you've got to engage with a recruiter, which is definitely worst case, but you, <laughs> often we do have to do it, right, um, is guess what? You're giving that recruiter the best brief they're ever going to get. Yeah, They're going to get this great document, which is a day in the life, and here's what we're looking for. You've already done a job ad. That should really clearly articulate it. So there's already all this collateral to go with it that you can hand over so that the recruiter is set up for success very quickly. They might be able to just screen through their their book of business and go, I've read that and I know three people to talk to you. So it's time well spent. Yeah, I think that's great because it's not coming at the sacrifice or the compromise of the other. Like worst case, you've got a great brief, you've got a job you've actually thought about and who you actually need to fill it. But best case, maybe you actually do get some traction doing it yourself and it just makes sense, right? And you're running two processes at the same time. So I I never want people just to be using a recruiter. Like to me, that's like a wasted opportunity because you never know what will happen. Like all it takes is one, all it takes is that one strong applicant to come through. So why not be promoting your own brand, your own opportunities? Can you you talk a bit about that? Because I think um, we've kind of sworn off recruiters. Like we've been doing this for a long time now and we've used recruiters and we have it for a, a range of reasons we've decided it's not the way we want to build the agency and we've, you know, I was going to say we've obviously, we haven't mentioned that we do, we have worked together and you've helped us build out our grad program and um, we are more strategic now in terms of bringing people into the business that we know in 24 months' time will fill certain roles and and all that kind of great stuff. Um, But when we have used recruiters, often it's kind of, we've got a recruiter using on that now and it took us a long time to realise, no, like you can run them concurrently. So maybe if we could just unpack that a little bit because it's, 
I think it's almost I've got a recruiter, it's taken care of now. And we've often found that that in and of itself has massive downside. Yeah, I definitely think that it does have a downside because what there's just a bit of a miss and missed opportunity in terms of people coming across your brand versus there's a bigger chance that someone, let's say if they are active in the market, they will apply for your job. Recruiters have to typically um, recruit and advertise under their agency's brand and typically they won't disclose who you are. Yeah. Now, if I'm a candidate and I've got heaps of opportunity, I would much prefer to apply to a job that actually is for the company direct yeah. than apply to an, uh, an a recruiter's ad. So think about it that way. Recruitment job ads now, they're, you know, 300 bucks a pop on Seek and they're pay per click on on LinkedIn. For LinkedIn ads nowadays, you can actually post a job for free under any of your own direct profiles account. You can link it to your company and post it for $0. You obviously then can do more and you can boost it. But if it's free, yep. why wouldn't you leave the net open um, to see? And by the way, it's also a positive brand message that the company's growing. We've got opportunity. It just feels that a lot of behavior around recruitment that is outdated because yeah. the balance has shifted where when when the job was being was the sought after thing you could get away with being pretty sloppy and now it's changed very quickly and a lot of uh, behavior um, and patterns that used to work just don't anymore and it's kind of you've, you've either got to pivot and change quickly which COVID has taught us to do um, or <laughs> or you're not going to get someone I think that's kind of true. What I'd like to talk about now is um, is bringing young people into a business. So we, um, the temptation is I've lost a midweight someone, therefore I need to bring a midweight someone in. We've lost our designer. I need to bring a designer in that can do the job. It's harder now to find that person as we've kind of touched on. But I'd, I'd, when I talk to other agency owners, there is just this general, it's not about bringing in young grads just to, because they're cheaper and whatever else. It's actually about if you want to bring in great talent these days, often that is the place to look. I think agencies forever run on cheap talent, kind of a pyramid structure, but now it's the same concept but for a different outcome. So it'd be interesting to talk about hiring young talent, whether it's a grad program or whether it's more ad hoc and what you've seen and what makes for potentially people that are going to make for great marketers down the road. Mm. Yeah, I think the the challenge, I think you're absolutely right. It's always been the triangle model where yeah. most businesses want to be filled with, um, you know, cheaper, low-cost totally. talent. Yeah. Let's be direct about it. Yeah. But, and if you view it that way, you will see those people grow and take that opportunity and leave you. Yeah. Um, and you have actually spent all that time, effort, energy, let's say, training them and, and supporting them and then they're going to leave if they're not treated well. That absolutely will happen now. So if you are not looking after your younger workforce, they're going to leave you. That's yeah. pretty simple. They've got plenty of choice and opportunity. So therefore, if you think about how do we how do we value uh, this tier of our business and how do we design them a great experience that not only will give us a return on investment but will ensure their opportunity and growth, it means you have to design a program that says here's whether it's rotation, whether it's um, they've got a mentor in the business, whether it's that they're having regular development conversations with someone in the business. It can be that simple. They're getting a quarterly catch-up so we can find out what they're interested in, what they'd like to spend more time on, knowing that development is what we call a 70-20-10 model. So 70% of your development should be experiences that you have. Now, that's that's the easier side, right? Getting them on projects, shadowing, you know, getting them into meetings, listening, observing, um, and doing. 
And then 20% is around exposure. So what are they hearing? So it's it's actually, this is above your level, but I'm going to have you come in and listen. Mm. Um, I'm going to have you come into this client meeting that normally you just wouldn't ever be required to be in, but come on in today because I think this is a good learning opportunity. Just sit and listen. And then there's 10% on training. And most businesses think that it's the other way around. 70% training, what's mm. the training we're giving them? It's actually not that. That's not the fundamentals behind development um, in adults. It's 70, 20, 10. Mm. So we need to think about that when we think about these uh, younger workforce, our grad program, whatever you want to call it, is how do we create that for them um, using that framework? Now, when we're attracting the right grads to begin with, the biggest challenge most companies face is, well, they've got no experience. So they don't have a CV, right? And that, to me, is the exciting part because now we get to strip back that. We call it the briefcase. Mm. So think about when you hire someone, it's the head, it's the heart, and it's the briefcase. So those three components on a little stick figure. The briefcase is your experience, your skills, your knowledge that you bring with you. It's also your baggage. So if you've got bad habits, it's it's all the baggage. Now, often when we're hiring senior people, we're hiring for the briefcase. We want to bring in all that skills, knowledge, experience. Oh, they've had all these things. Let's, let's bring in the briefcase. Yep. But for anybody who's ever managed people out of the business, it's typically due to their behaviors, not because they didn't have the right briefcase. Yeah. Now, with grads, we get to flip the switch and say, actually, you don't have the briefcase. Great. Let's hire you for head and heart. What are your behaviors? Your cognitive capability, like how well do you synthesize new information? How quickly does your brain work? What are your behavioral drivers? And then what are your values and your ethics? Mm. What, do you, what are your beliefs in terms of what you want for yourself and, and how do you think people should be treated? And all those beautiful things about a person, we're hiring for that now. And I think that is the, the greatest opportunity is because you can start to fill your business with people who you're well aligned to and that will add value from their head and their heart. And that's ultimately the best way to build a business. That's awesome. Because, yeah, so it's we've always had this, uh, you can always teach them the skills or whatever else, but that's pretty ad hoc. And I, I, But that just makes so much sense. And it is, and often you hire someone who's got, who's kind of, you know, they've got the four years of experience doing what you think you need them to do. Yeah. And they come in and they just do it the wrong way because they've been working in a place that has a different way of doing it. Um, mm. and, I, and I don't, yeah, to your point, I don't think we've ever let someone go because they couldn't do the job. It's because the behavior is yeah, always it. behavioral, right? It's yeah. behavioral or it's brain power, typically, yeah. right? If you look at the statistics, so uh, brain power has a lot to do with it. So some people can't keep up with the role and they face what we call altitude sickness. So imagine they're hiking up a mountain, yep. they get to a certain point, great member of the team, they add a lot of value but they just cannot get off that next base camp. They can't get up to the next level. That doesn't make them a, still a great human. You've yeah, just totally. over-exceeded their growth. Um, That's right. It's the wrong, wrong seat in the business for, for them at that point. Yeah, and but, you've got to find them an opportunity. So I think when, when we look at what are you looking for in grads, though, is when you start to think about the head and the heart, I, and if you even look at um, the World, Econo- World Economic Forum, they're looking at these top 15 skills and things that are on that list is your analytical thinking. So how well can they solve problems, deal with complexity? The thing that's on there, which is interesting for marketing, is around creativity. But the other word they use in that same category isn't just creativity, it's originality. Hmm. And I love that word, right? If we think about young people and we think about marketing, it's not just the creativity, which is obviously a need in marketing, but it's their originality. So what is it that they've thought of that they've created that has an original component because there's so much copycatting going on right in terms of oh i've seen this company do it oh we'll just replicate that put a different color over it well 
So what's an original idea that they've had? So if I'm interviewing grads, I want to be like, tell me about an original idea that you've had. It's a hard question. I'd like to challenge everyone listening to this. What's the last well, original idea you had? It was going on in my head. I was like, how, what am I going to say if you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great question, right? Yeah. I love I, I love that concept because we often say, tell me about your creative style and this, yeah. that. Okay, they're all generic stuff. Ask them a question about originality and see what they say. I mean, it's a great question even for senior people. Yeah, I like that. Aside from the interview, like how else do you ascertain originality? Like it, it, Rather than just asking for examples, can you think like are there other other ways or devices to help kind of extract that from a candidate? Um, look, it's something we could definitely dig into. Um, we want to see, yeah, obviously examples of work that they've created or produced, yeah, or maybe something that they've seen as original. Yeah. So, what really you know, in terms of you go down a particular industry, maybe they're they're really great at video content. What's a really original video concept that you've seen? You just love it, yeah. And and why? Why yeah. do you think it's original? What what like has it really not ever been done by anybody before? And and what's their take on originality too? Um, I think just even exploring that as a concept, it helps you work out well how well watched and read and exposed are they in the industry because really what you want is people who are obsessed by the industry and and that that absorbs their life um, and that's where you get passion and interest and originality that's it i think that's it's okay you mentioned the world economic forum study like in terms of marketers what like what other things that because you obviously work across a broad range of businesses recruiting mm. recruiting is the wrong word but looking to develop talent across a whole range of roles disciplines like what are the traits of great marketers how do you hire them things you've seen for businesses like you've obviously worked with us or most of the roles we're filling are kind of marketing roles the the listeners on the pod are all marketers so what are the specific things within recruitment of marketers that you'd kind of touch on look i think nowadays if you're looking at in-house marketers specifically the thing that we know you will need is an ability to build connection and build client relationships. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter what role you're is, whether you're an active account manager, even if you're a designer, you're working in graphics, you're working behind the scenes, you need to be able to sit across from a client and ask a great question that no one else has asked them yet. Yeah, You need to be able to understand what the client is saying and then still follow up with more questions and synthesize and summarize what they've said to make sure that we've truly understood and so there's a combination of emotional intelligence, yeah. right, with that. It's ability to have critical thinking. It's another skill, which is actually asking questions. Mm. So how well can they ask questions to others around them? Um, and how well can they then set expectations and, you know, communicate that back? So whether it's with a client, what I can hear you saying is this, this, and this. Mm. What I think we need to do from here is this. Is, is there anything I've missed or that I haven't understood. So I think actually having an ability to have client relationship skills, and I use that as a very broad banner because it is very broad, even if you're a designer, being able to do that process and because you're going to be interacting. If you're an in-house marketer, it doesn't matter what level, you're going to be interacting with a client or a team member who's dealing with a client. And those skills are, are, are absolutely paramount because at the end of the day, if you don't have those skills, then... We could be outsourcing this role. Yeah. Think of it that way. Like, well, why don't we use an outsourcing like to do that project piece of work? What's the differentiator, right? If you think about what's the differentiator, the differentiator is your ability to deal directly with the client 
And that's where you become very valuable within a business is your is your ability to communicate effectively, to have the emotional intelligence, to ask great questions, to look at a, a problem that, that the client's having from a different perspective and, and add to that and try yeah. and solve it. So I think all of those things combined is where you get that edge for yourself internally, but it's the things that we need to be looking out for as well. When we're bringing them in, I like it's, it's I like that. And then I wanted to kind of move now into the use of data and testing to bring candidates into your organisation and what kind of options the, the listeners have in terms of using data, what works, what doesn't. Is it a yes, no type thing or is it just helping you inform you more about candidates and how do you introduce it? Because I can imagine it can also be quite intimidating. Mm. You know, you've got choice and you've got five five roles open and four of them are saying, yeah, you've had two interviews and the next one's saying, hey, fill out this questionnaire before we're willing to, to, to proceed. So, yeah, just be curious for you to talk about that. Yeah, look, I think, you know, if we put it under a banner of, let's say, testing yeah. or even psychometrics, it's yeah. become absolutely more prevalent everywhere. I mean, everyone I'm talking to, you know, friends, colleagues, you know, I'm constantly saying, hey, I got to, sent this link to do this test. Tell me more about it because obviously we specialise in in using people data yeah. and so you can call that psychometrics. Um, I would say to people looking at implementing it is you've got to be looking at things that are highly accurate. There's plenty of tools out there. There's a whole lot of homegrown stuff and there's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't have enough research and data behind it. And also you shouldn't be using in recruitment. It doesn't have enough what we call validity. Okay. So you can't use a whole bunch of tools. And I see that happening all the time. People are like, oh, we're going to send this person this test. And when you look at it, this test has not been validated. It's not accurate enough to make an employment decision on. Yep. So you actually, you're kind of weaponizing the information for the wrong use. You also don't want to slow down your process either like given what we've just talked about is how challenging it is to secure people you don't want to then say oh now I need you to spend an hour and a half doing all these tests and oh and if you fail which you might then we're not going to proceed I mean that's not a nice what we call candidate experience yeah so really what you want to be doing is using something that's highly valid highly accurate and it's quick and easy to do yeah so really anything over 10 minutes, you're, you're overcooking your experience. Yeah. I mean, we use, with you guys at Rocket, we use something called predictive index. Yeah. And it's very quick to take the behavioral. It's only five to six minutes. You can then add a cognitive component, which is how fast do you learn and acquire new information, knowing how important that is for our graduates as well. Yeah. And that takes 12 minutes. All in total, you're done in 20 minutes if you're going to do both combined. So I think those type of tools that are quick and easy to use are great. And the earlier on you use them, the better. If they're that quick to take, we'd be encouraging you to get it as soon as possible in that stage. If it's, hey, take this five-minute assessment before you come in for your first interview, at that point, they're kind of open-minded. Now, you wouldn't say take this 45-minute assessment before you come in for an interview. I mean, I'd tell you to bugger off. Yeah, totally. Like I'm in high demand. Why would I do 45 (laughs) minutes of pre-work? And I don't know anything about this outcome. Yeah. So it's also working where to put it in your interview process is important as well. And again, if you think about it like a campaign, where does it make the most sense? So often it's after a first interview. So you've got to know me. I've got to know you. We're both still keen to proceed. Maybe it's introducing it then. And then what are you using it for? I guess that's the big one, right? It's kind mm. of what, like, is it a pass fail? Is it just to help guide you on this person might have some weaknesses here? Obviously, what? One of our clients might want from, say, a general marketer versus if they're hiring a technical SEO role, the needs are different. So, like, just talk about that. And it's probably a very broad question, but just mm. keen for you to kind of unpack that a bit. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually a very good question because what we do see companies doing is saying, oh, it, it appears we should be doing some psychometrics and testing, so why don't we find some and we'll just use them yeah. with no clarity around why. And that's just as dangerous. You might as well just not do it. I'll oh, just put them through a test. It'll you know work out if there's any red flags. And you're like, that's stupid. What you need to be doing is actually understanding the role. So we use PI to actually profile the job and say, well, actually, this job requires the person who's going to be in it to be very proactive. It's a very fast-paced role. There's lots of variety. They need to be quite independent because they're working on their own and they're driving new ideas and they need to be open to risk. They need to uh, maybe be a bit more introspective because they need to be quite internally creative. We need... So when we start to profile the job, we can then be comparing candidates to the job and say, well, actually, it's not pass or fail. It's how are you going to feel about doing this job in two years' time? Yeah. Because there's going to be components where you've got to flex yourself. You know, you might not naturally be that proactive. You might be a little bit more responsive to things. Well, how are we going to ask you a great question to work out how you're going to cope? And I think it's all about giving you more data to ask better questions. And it's also about seeing their long-term fit in that role because knowing that for most people, they're going to evolve into other roles into your business knowing what that could look like. So sometimes we hire people who are actually not very aligned to their job, but we know that really in 18 months, we don't see them in that role long term. Yeah. We've got a career pathway for them that says, actually, I think you're going to be really well suited over here. Yeah. So that's where we use tools is actually to give us more insight on the behavioral drivers of the people, what's driving and motivating them. And then how do we use that information, not just in recruitment, by the way? This is where the, the data becomes valuable. How do I use that assessment now to better manage you? Yeah. How do I use it to sit down and have a better development conversation? How do I use it when I'm onboarding you to tailor your experience? How do I use it when I'm introducing you to your team and your team dynamic? Yeah. I think if you're using data in a really positive but respectful way that actually sits along the, the employee life cycle, that's where that data now becomes really valuable. And that's where I think companies are missing an opportunity to be using data is not just about the pre-assessment tool. Yeah. It's thinking, how can we introduce this into our business to get a better understanding of everybody, to use it when we're building relationships and building teams and really use it throughout the business? And that's, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And like if, and it might, might not be as simple as this, but if you had to say like what, what percentage of a decision around hiring someone or not hiring them would you put down to data versus just that feeling you had when you interviewed them versus the answers they gave to the interview based on this, the briefcase they bring, all that kind of stuff? Like, is it a 5% or is it a 50%? Like, what, where do you, the client, I guess your clients that are doing a great job of recruitment, bringing on board mm. and managing and growing awesome teams, like, how significant is the data bit? Well, I have a few particular clients who have had to build their businesses quite quickly. Yeah. And when that's the case, the data becomes more valuable than ever because in that in that situation, the data weighting can be as high as 70, 80%. Yeah, like wow. we won't interview you really unless, yeah. you know, I build out sales teams, I'll build out customer success teams for SaaS businesses. We are definitely looking for some key behavioral drivers in you yeah. because we just know highly successful new business development salespeople need to have some particular drivers. If you don't have it, like then there's a good chance you're going to get in, you're going to fake it till you make it and you're going to fail. Yeah. I don't have time in a business like that. We can't run the risk versus businesses that are really established and are really stable that go, okay, well, this is just one role. 
we can roll the dice on this a little bit more than normal and then the weighting comes down a bit but I think it depends on which role as well there are those things as well it's it's the impact of that role data is one piece of the puzzle I believe it is truly fundamental I would say it's probably 50 plus percent if I was going to put a number on it um, purely because I have seen the repercussions of people who are not in the right role yeah. and the toll it pays on them. That's it. And they're eventually going to leave the role anyway, right? That's so it. if I'm thinking about I need stickability, I need long-term growth, I know that if I hire the right behavioural match to the job, I hire the right cognitive score, so I know you've got the brain power to keep up with the job, I'm actually, I'm so far forward than just on my gut, my gut instinct. My, I have great intuition. I have great empathy. I have great instinct. I won't let it determine my my totality of thinking yeah. because people are complex. And if you think you're really great at reading people, think about some bad highs you've made yeah. where you got a really good vibe when you met them. We get it wrong. We just do because people are mysterious and they can turn up a particular way. Yeah. And you can't possibly test all of those things in an interview. Like it's just and I think that's how it's 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 kind of how we've and I'm not sure if that's by design from what you've done with us, but for the roles where we do have an abundance of candidates and they typically are the the grad roles, the younger roles, or maybe some roles two years ago. It's kind of data first because there's enough candidates that we, you know, this is the role, these are the attributes we need, cog test needs to be kind of there or thereabouts. Um, And then we start from there. But if you're looking at a a technical role where we need someone with five years experience and you've got three candidates, the data bit will help guide your decision-making and it might preclude someone because it's so out of whack but otherwise, it's more like, okay, well, there's maybe a gap here or a strength there. Are we willing to compromise on that or take a bit more of a punt than we normally would? Yeah, and I think when it comes to those roles that are really hard to find, I mean, we face that more often than not nowadays with those really tricky roles. And you only have maybe one or two or three people to pick from. Yeah. At that point, the data becomes helpful for how to manage them. Yeah. So I can like pre-predict what's going to go wrong and actually where the biggest challenge and stress is going to be. You know, for example, if you hire someone who is very, very introspective, they're very reserved, they're very quiet, but the role requires them to be out meeting new people all the time. They've got to build rapport. They've got to highly communicate. They need to be big talkers. Okay. I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with this person. Number one in the interview to say, how have you gone about influencing all of those components? But if, let's say, we do hire them because we want the briefcase, I now need to sit down and say the things that you're going to find really challenging over the next few months is how many meetings I have scheduled for you and the fact that you're going to be forward-facing, you're going to be talking all the time, we need you to share your ideas with the team, but let's make this as least um, intrusive as possible for you. So what can we do to set you up for success? So then the data becomes a real point for us to guide the conversation yeah. to equip that person so they do not fail. That is how I would then use that's the data. awesome. Yeah, I love that. I think it's either like either way, either way there's benefit. It's just about it's not necessarily yes, no and hiring someone. It's potentially that, but otherwise it's it's not a perfect world. And I think we know we're operating in a very imperfect world at the moment when it comes to talent. So at least allow it to to, to help guide. Um Alicia, this has been awesome. I've got I've been making notes and I reckon there's like 10 practical. My thing is if marketers can listen to the pod and get one practical takeaway that's going to help them in their role, then that's great. But I think any marketer involved in recruitment, um, stalking a business, like look from the outside in into your own business, stalk it, would you Mm. you apply? I think looking at your in-house capacity, like don't knee-jerk, we need to replace X, Y, Z. Is there someone that we can bring through with training, whatever it might be? 
I think reviewing your job ads, like the balance has shifted, you know, good written. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a bit scared about if I look at ours, but our team, <laughs> I think our, our people and culture team, I'm hoping I'm going to look at it and it's going to be fine using videos. Like you've got to sell your business as you're mm. essentially how you'd market it. I think in this, in this current environment, um, treating it as like a marketing campaign, the briefcase thing is awesome. I don't think that's about necessarily a short-term talent thing now, but just generally the head, the heart and the briefcase being the little thing that for better or worse, you can train or maybe, you know, it's actually not necessary at all. Um, I'm going to ask you one final question. I'm a marketer. One of my great staff has left. Like what's the one bit of advice that you'd say how to hire a great marketer in this current environment? <sighs> so many answers. You've got to give me one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to give me one. Um, look, I would say pause. Just pause and reflect for a minute and and I would say go through your options, go through your your short-term and long-term options. Yep. And I think that that's what it really comes down to because to your point, if we knee-jerk and just promote out, I would say stop, reflect, and get ready. It's it's that get, getting ready for recruiting yep. because if you spend the time there in how do I go and get in front of the right people for this opportunity, you might come up with some creative ideas on your own. You might go, actually, I do know people. I could reach out. To your point earlier, you've had someone reach out to you. Who do you know in your network that you can reach out to? You will come up with your own ideas. What we do do is we get into a state of panic, and we all know panic brain isn't very helpful. Yeah. Panic brain is where we make our bad decisions, and we go, oh, what, what have we done previously? We'll do that. Now, that is not what you need to do in 2022. Love it. You need to stop and be creative and think think it through. Yes. Yeah. And then go and take action and build that team around you to help you take that action. Because at the end of the day, everyone in your business needs to be involved in recruitment because at the end of the day, it's about your brand. It's about how do we attract, how do we inspire our top talent and how do we keep them engaged? If we can do that, they're going to go out and find people for you. So then that long-term strategy kicks in. Love it, Alicia. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.